0: It's like you can do anything artistically you can do anything in a certain style okay so like how do you carry yourself in life how do you interact with someone how do you put on clothes you know what do you wear where do you go um how do you make breakfast you know how do you pour a cup of tea Mm -hmm. you know everything you can just do it yeah but you can also do it in a certain way, in a certain style, maybe with elegance, maybe artistically.
1: Welcome to the Art and Life podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you have join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group where you get notified of fresh episode drops, you can join my email list on my website at on the contact page. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart, And finally, you can support me on Patreon. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Now, on to the good stuff. Welcome everybody to the podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. Now, Today with me, I've got an awesome guest. Uh, this is a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Colin Barreno. Colin, thanks Taylor. for
0: being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Super fun. Yeah. <laughs> you feeling nervous? Uh, yeah. You know, we didn't sign a contract, so I'm not sure if you're going to keep certain topics off limits or not. Yeah. 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 And you would know that. I mean, you are my lawyer.
1: So, um, <laughs> you know you're you're my guy for the contracts. <laughs> so you're kind of in charge here. <laughs> um <laughs> well, why don't we start with uh who you are, where you're from, how you got to where you're at
0: and what it is you do. Yeah, great. Um well, I grew up in Lafayette, Colorado. Beautiful Lafayette, Colorado, which you know well. We grew up near each other and um it was a great place to grow up. Yeah. I think it was maybe one of the most beautiful places you can grow up. Um, My mom raised my brother and I since I was about four there. Single mom taking care of us and uh, went to high school with you, played soccer, was in a punk band. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The followers. You had a Mohawk. I had a Mohawk at various times. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Those were the days. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with school, I was like, so I was the younger brother. My brother was super academic, super successful. I was, I did fine in school. I kind of focused on more alternative extracurriculars, soccer, punk music, etc. But I was, I did have a proclivity for math. I was very analytical. And in particular, math was something that just kind of clicked for me and so i don't know um i was also uh, very analytical and would argue a lot with my mom and other people to probably their annoyance and i would get the comments every now and then like oh you should be a lawyer when you go up and that kind of thing and certainly i thought of that but it wasn't like i was not really career oriented or anything like that i think my dream job was to be like an nba professional (laughs) yeah you know um but you love the phoenix suns i love the phoenix suns yeah Yeah. the kevin johnson charles barkley days those are the days oh yeah yeah and then later on steve nash but but yeah we were talking about earlier between basketball and soccer it was like my favorite sport was whichever season it was you know if it was basketball season that was my favorite sport If it was soccer that was my favorite sport but um but yeah, then went to college, went to Northwestern. I kind of wanted to get out into the world somewhere, go to a big city, bigger city. And Northwestern was kind of not a huge state school, not a small liberal arts school. It was a nice size, something like seven or 8,000 undergrads when I was in there. Chicago. In Chicago, in Evanston, just north of Chicago.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. And that was awesome. It was a great, great experience for me. Um, again, like I said, I was. Kind of the math and science at first, thinking I might be a physics major. Super interested in like the bigger cosmological questions. You know, it's I was a librarian as my work study job, so I'd sit in the yeah. science yeah. library reading science magazines about cosmology and the Big Bang and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, so at first I was gonna do maybe like science or something like that, and then the big questions I went instead in the direction of philosophy when I realized you could just write papers and just kind of say what you thought instead of like, I mean, you did have to kind of be inspired by what the philosopher thought, but you could basically just write, you could just like think stuff and write it. And they're like, Oh yeah, this is good. Like, Whoa, that exists. So that was pretty cool. And a uh, good
1: grade for it.
0: Yeah. 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 So I thought I was going to do science and then maybe like psychology or something, but like I was terrible at those multiple choice questions And eventually, I just gravitated towards math and philosophy, just because I was good at it and enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, philosophy of law, I think, was one of the classes that was pretty, you know, Socrates resonated a bunch. Um, And then I think law school was always just kind of a thing that was out there hanging as a possibility, because you don't have to do like pre-law or anything like that. It's not like pre-med. You can just take the LSAT and apply to law school. And so I thought maybe I did that. I did say I took that, but let's see what happened. What am I skipping over? I guess before I went to law school, after graduating, I went up to Wisconsin for a year. So I went to work on John Kerry's campaign. Actually, it was the, it was with the league of conservation voters. It was an environmental group that was campaigning for John Kerry. It was kind of like defeat Bush when, uh, when we were so innocent and we thought that like George Bush was evil and like, it was like the worst thing. And we had to elect someone else. Like, Oh man. So quaint. Thinking back to those days, <laughs> we were so innocent, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I worked on a campaign for a while grassroots campaign. We knocked on a lot of doors. I organized a lot of people, a lot of volunteers and then took, after that, we lost that election. Uh, yeah. Yep. Went back to Chicago, lived with our good friend, BC, for a while yeah. in Chicago. I applied to grad school. I, I think I applied to grad school and law school. I applied to policy school and law school. And I ended up going to policy school. Before that, I I finished off that gap year in Fort Collins yeah. with some of the mm-hmm. homies. Yeah, that was a fun summer. That was a great summer. And then I came out to California where my brother was out here before me doing computer science at Cal. And I came for policy school. And what happened there was I found it all very interesting. And I was very much in environmental policy. And policy is more like big picture, like governmental stuff. It is like governmental stuff. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, designing... Government policy is a big one, but there's also, you know, business stuff. But yeah, it's about governance and how the government works and interacts with society. So I learned a lot of economics. So in college, I learned math, but I didn't take any economics really. So it was just kind of like math applied to the world oh. and uh, designing policies. So I don't know. I thought I was going to be involved with how the world works at that level, And my summer, I actually was going to go work at the Office of Management and Budget in DC for uh, actually the defense group, like somehow for whatever reason that just resonated. I actually had a job earlier on in high school where I was doing math for this guy who had a contract with the uh, defense department designing like, there's this defense contract and he was like, I don't know, doing the math around these projectiles and like, defense mechanisms. so he just i got a really good job for him just to like help him with computers and math and stuff
1: yeah i remember so, that one
0: yeah R tech triple r tech uh but anyway so i had a somewhat of an in and i thought i was going to go work in dc for the office of management and budget in the defense department defense group and uh i got the job offer but i passed i failed the security clearance So um, I did (laughs) not get that Why did you fail that? Well, no one can know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was because I answered some of the questions about drugs a little too truthfully. And by too truthfully, (laughs) I mean like, you know, they have a strict policy and we sort of zeroed in on like how many times you could have smoked weed, for example, over your life and in the last like year or so. Yeah. (laughs) Because my friend got, my friend passed security clearance with slightly different answers. But um, in any event, that ended up being one of those blessings in disguise because it was like last minute and I got this job at the Center for Creative Land Recycling, which is a nonprofit in San Francisco that does contaminated property cleanup and redevelopment. So it's like it's brownfields. And so one major problem with contamination for landowners is that you've maybe heard of Superfund. It's a law where if you pollute land, if you're the landowner, you could be liable for all the cleanup and it's incredibly expensive. And so there's a lot of liabilities. And so to promote the redevelopment of land and the cleanup of land, you have to give liability relief to potential developers who will come in and clean it up. Okay, so this is getting a little in the weeds, but this is what the group did. And I found it really interesting. And there was a lawyer on my short list who was on the board of people to call when I had questions. And so I would call her and I saw what she was doing. And I was like, oh, wow, she's doing, she's worked for a private firm. She's doing this cleanup, this environmental law stuff. And it just kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, I could totally see doing that. So it's like, fine, I'll go to law school. So I I did the joint. I went to law school at Hastings and finished my Policy degree at Berkeley, kind of together at the same time, and then um and then got into environmental law and that lawyer actually, I didn't know this. I went to Paul Hastings and she was at a different firm. She was at Pharrell at the time, but when I started when I got my summer job at Paul Hastings, my office was literally right next to hers, and I didn't even know she worked at the firm. Wow, so that was a cool kind of full circle moment. Did
1: you get to meet her again?
0: Yeah, yeah, I worked with thirdben um. Yeah, she was one of my bosses. I didn't work third time, but she was one of my bosses there. So, yeah, I was at Paul Hastings for about a decade. That was a big firm. I was doing mostly environmental law, some of the stuff I was just talking about, compliance work, development stuff, helping companies navigate the environmental laws, working with governments, uh, businesses, and, um, you know, making deals happen, taking care of business doing due diligence and it was cool it was a good job it was a good group but i eventually realized well i didn't i didn't think i was going to be there for the long haul to begin with Mm i mean, big firm stuff is like you know like intense uh very demanding and i figured you know you're working like 80 hour week. i wasn't working that much some people do okay i had a better group where it wasn't like, I mean, if you go to New York, that's true for sure. Out here, it's a little more laid back. And my firm in particular was cool with my group, even more so. But, um, but yeah, it was a lot of work. And I just kind of knew in the end, I just wanted to, you know, focus more on life and living and less on. I mean, the thing is some of the partners, their job or their life was their job. And some of them were happy and that worked for them. But like, I looked at them, I'm like, I don't know. That's not really, you know, I have all these other interests that are like, yeah, like work, but you know, there's like soccer, there's dancing, there's like, you know, art, there's all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, can you incorporate that? Maybe some people can make that work. That's another, you know, I mean, maybe I, it just wasn't the cards at the time for me. But, um, but I was married. Got divorced. Uh, it's uh, very amicable at this time. and uh, But that was a great moment to zoom out on life and be like, yo, let's make sure, you know, I'm living the life I want to live, the story that I would want to live. So um, worked there a bit longer and then peaced out. Took a little bit of time off.
1: How long did you take
0: off? Uh, that's a good question. I think it was 2018, like June, maybe when I so when was the pandemic? That was like 2019. Twenty. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Well in March. Yeah, I think I think I took off a year, give or take. Maybe it was a little less when I started working again. But you know, I was dabbling in this and that. I had like a nice chunk of time where I could just explore stuff dabble and then eventually i just started my own practice um that's funny story too we're kind of i think we're going down a lot of different trails here i don't know if uh i'll give you the short version of this (laughs) so i was traveling in europe and uh i went to budapest and was for
1: the salsa uh i was
0: yeah i was at a salsa congress in vienna Colin's a dancer. Trip. Colin loves doing salsa dancing. Yeah, salsa dancing is is so important. It's probably the biggest like true art form in my life these days. But uh but yeah, I went to Vienna for this amazing international salsa mm-hmm. congress. Went to a few other places along the way. When I was over there, I went to Budapest and I took a flight on Wiz Air. I don't know if you've heard of this airline, it's like a discount European <laughs> airline. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> no, no. Well, it's inexpensive anyway. Okay. <laughs> but when I get to Budapest, my credit card, you know, I get an alert. I was like, oh, you have a, a some suspicious charges. I'm like, okay, what the heck is this? So I call in and they're like, well, you had some unauthorized, some suspicious charges on Wizz Air. It's like, no, I think I booked that. Whatever, I'll deal with it later. But when I went and I looked, I had like five or six. Wizz Air tickets booked in a row within like 5 days and I was like oh shit this is definitely somehow someone's just charging Wizz Air and so I called back and I tried to get them to cut it off and then within like dude they didn't stop it right away it was within like I don't know a week or 2 weeks they ran up 18,000 of Wizz Air like 100 200 300 dollar oh. tickets on the credits yeah so that got shut down pretty fast no it didn't it didn't get shut down nearly fast no. though. but um <laughs> 18 grand no life. yeah uh so <laughs> i'm like i always had faith in credit cards like you know they'll refund your money right they'll take care of you it's protected and when i got back i was just like fine okay one less credit card while i'm traveling i have to use this other one okay whatever when i got back they uh I was I checked up on the dispute and they're like, "Oh, we looked at those charges and they took place in the country you were in, so we determined they were authorized." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you talking about? I was in the country, so so I charged 18,000." Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, anyways, so I wrote some letters. I did some research. I found out, you know, I could get like trouble damages or something if they charge my card inappropriately and and attorney's fees so I figured okay I, I got a job now and so like, I'll just start a consumer fraud protection with my own case but um after I wrote another letter they they finally refunded my money right um because you're a lawyer and you know how to figure that stuff out yeah I mean which <laughs> they should have done regardless hand. yeah 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 but um yeah I can't imagine I mean if they would it was just so obvious. Right. Like, it's so obvious. But... Well, yeah. and that's probably
1: how a lot of cases are. They're, like, maybe obvious in certain ways when you look at it or when you present the facts in a certain way. But, like, there's maybe, like, a big organization that doesn't want to deal with it or something. And so... Yeah. Yeah. That's so. So that's how you really like start being <laughs> like, oh, maybe I should do this.
0: Yeah, for other people. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It was like that, and it was processing my own divorce. Yeah. Like when Carolyn and I, like we, you know, she was a lawyer too, so we processed her own paperwork, and I like went down to the court and I turned it in, and I was like writing these declarations, just kind of like making it up as I went because I didn't practice, you know, family law. It was like doing that. I was like, oh yeah, doing like this stuff isn't that hard, and I can do this. And then like this consumer protection thing, I was just kind of getting amped, you know, on the inside, like, so then I was talking to my friend, Eric, who I used to work for, did some work at Paul Hastings. He has these uh, shopping centers over at 4th Street, Berkeley. Um, And he was like, you know, I could use some, if you're actually working again, I could use some help with some stuff. So, I mean, he's, he's great. He's a great friend. And um, I've been working with him a lot, uh, both from back in Paul Hastings a little bit, but then a lot since then. And so I just kind of use that and springboarded and then just kind of start developing my own clients mostly, just like small businesses, individuals, artists, you know. Artists. Yeah. And uh, you know, just open people do their kind of like day-to-day stuff, you know, contracts, trying to keep them out of disputes. If they get into disputes, trying to like, you know, separate the emotional side, which usually runs everything from like what the actual options are, you know, on both sides, on both for my client and then the opposing side. Um, And then just trying to find the common ground that makes sense. Um, That's what a lot of what I'm doing these days, just kinda. But I mean, as you know, because one, you have your own business and two, because you've heard me, you know, bitch about it, but like the whole building, you know, the management of the direction of being your own boss, that is pretty challenging it's pretty awesome it's pretty the freedom is like you know you can't trade that for anything but but it is its
1: own challenge because now you're like i'm an artist but i'm also a small business yeah the owner yeah owner and operator of a small business and you're a lawyer but also yeah a, a small business
0: yeah that's exactly right
1: yeah yeah, it's like a multi-layered challenge. But the cool thing about that is that all your energy that you put in goes, like, it goes to your clients and it goes to you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to an outside source that's like, you know, you're like paying for their rent of the building or whatever. Right, right. And, and you're like, you're investing into your own long-term like growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool like for the listeners um you know I've gotten into a little bit of legal trouble here and there a couple times (laughs) situations Mm, I mean like like there was and and I I would always I'd always call Colin and be like (laughs) what do you think here what do you say and like the time there was a this like little cafe in Fort Collins that I had my art in and uh the The deal was super unclear. Like neither of us, neither party knew what the hell was going on going into it, and it wasn't clear. My perspective was different than the galleries and like the the cafe owners, and um, they thought that they were getting one thing, and I thought that the th- the deliverable was a different thing. And so then it was good to like talk to you, and like I remember you doing this is probably like ten years ago, fifteen years ago. But like you did exactly that, which was like separate the like emotions from the actual deal and then like talk about like, OK, well, what does that leave us? And like, what did you guys say? What was the contract? Oh, you didn't have a contract. Well, how did it like what do we actually have to like go on?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, yeah, I could just see that like that's what you're doing for people. It's like, yeah. All
0: right. Tell me the situation. <laughs> yeah yeah and the interesting thing there too is like it's not that you can just discard the emotions like they matter and people part of the things when people have a problem they look for a lawyer they have a grievance so they need to be heard and they need someone to understand their grievance you know and even if the law doesn't support the exact remedy that they want you know you got to be like yeah that's fucked up man <laughs> like yeah well you know <laughs> this is uh this situation actually sucks. Like, you know, it's stacked against you in this situation, but here's where there are some potential rights and remedies and like, you know, and you got to sympathize with them to to a degree. So. No, totally.
1: And you're a good listener. And so that really plays into that element and you're, you're empathetic and compassionate, but you're also like very analytically minded. And so I feel like you have a good ability to like disconnect like you can hear and feel the emotion but you can also stay like reserved enough to be like okay and what's the legal situation here like yeah what what options do you have
0: legally yeah totally you have to keep the architecture of you know what you can do in view in all of that
1: yeah Yeah, I feel like your new setup too. Whereas, like, okay, when you were working for Paul Hastings, you were doing the like environmental law. I would imagine that you'd probably be working on like one, like, you'd be on one project for, I would think, like months or maybe even a year or or years. Whereas this now, you've got like multiple balls that you're juggling, right? Multiple clients. And each one has their own unique like time frame that you'll be working with them. And then time schedules, like maybe you need to file a thing like, you know, by midnight or something. So you can't hang out with Taylor, (laughs) um, you know, or something like that. I'll get it done. We'll still hang out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but like, I guess it reminds me of, it reminds me of me with my mural stuff because I'm working with different clients all the time and each one, presents its own like each project
0: presents yeah. its own challenge, timeline, scope, everything. Yeah, that's right. It is, it can be a little more to juggle, but I actually am surprised how much of the prior work translates almost directly. I mean, there's so much similarities of what I was doing just at a different level. But um yeah. You did some big projects. Yeah, some projects were ongoing that <laughs> They were there when I started and they were there when I left. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like Hunter's point shipyard redevelopment. Right. I don't know if you recall too much about that. I do. Yeah. And it's an old Navy base. It's an amazing location. And the Navy used to build. They That's where they did like decontamination of ships that they tested nuclear bombs with during World War II and stuff like that. Jeez. They did. Yeah. They did Whoa. nuclear tests on like animals and stuff back in the day at these like nuclear labs. And so it's like, yeah, they, they did a lot. (laughs) Um, And the ground was still like radioactive. Well, you know, it's, it's not really, I mean, okay, put it this way. The Navy was doing this multi-year, probably multi-decade by now, who knows, like cleanup of it. And they, there are techniques to do it. There are ways to do it. They had to remove all the sewers and like all the soil around it and do all this intricate testing to make sure it's safe. Right. But, um, you know, the big problem, there are a couple of problems. One problem is like you hear something like you got nuclear soil and that's a hot button issue. Obviously, no one would want to live there, you know, so you have to like make sure that everything's triple checked. All the agencies sign off on it and it's super safe. Yep. But um, the main problem was their contractor, TetraTech, was caught falsifying some of the test results. Oh, yeah, this is in like 2000. I don't know, 17 or 18 or something, 16, maybe. Oh my God. And you already have a trust issue to begin with, Right. you know? And it's like, anyway, we don't need to get too, too far. I don't know how they're doing right now, actually, but that's definitely still ongoing. Wow. Yeah. And then you also worked on the
1: like agreements at Salesforce tower. Yeah. Salesforce tower lease. The lease
0: yeah we were um one of the real estate partners my group was salesforce is one of his main clients and he did the the lease for salesforce tower and i was part of that team yeah so yeah every time you look out there and see it it's like oh yeah it's a reminder yeah and then recently you helped like a dry cleaner not get kicked out that's right yeah yeah, as a dry cleaner, had some problems with a loan and a bank. They own this property. They're getting foreclosed on. And um, if they got kicked out, that would have been it. That was like their business, their lifelong business and stuff. So I helped them get a stay on the uh, eviction and helped them figure out some other things, pull some strings, get a few extra days of cushion. And then they were able to file for bankruptcy. So they got an automatic stay on everything. Didn't get kicked out. They're resorting their stuff might be able to rebuy it staying alive
1: yeah you gave them an
0: opportunity gave them an opportunity yeah. it's all they needed yeah yeah
1: that's cool and i mean i was just thinking that like for me working with doing murals for people um there's like it's such a collaboration um between like what they bring and then what i bring and then it's also like on their end it's like a a trust fall they're relying on me mm, to like yeah catch them in their you know like it's a vulnerable thing to have your wall painted because it could go really great or it could go really yeah. poorly and you don't know necessarily and it's like um and with like like with me it's just like i you know worst case scenario i make a bad painting and then their place looks goofy <laughs> and they have to paint over it yeah but like with you, it's like a major trust fall. Oh, like, yeah. like there's a lot riding on, riding on it, everything. I would imagine oh, like yeah. you're, you know, that would be kind of surreal. Like you're interacting with people in like the, one of the most
0: challenging parts of that life. Yeah. No, that's right. It, you're right. It's super stressful and things could go terribly wrong. And so, I mean, in terms of balancing that, some of it's setting expectations, some of it's only doing stuff that's at least reasonably within my comfort zone i mean nothing that's not really true the like the security of things not going terribly wrong or the understanding of how it could go has to be within my comfort zone so like if like the worst case scenario has to be on the table for people to see yeah and understand um but once they do if they still have a chance at that lifeline They're still going to go for it usually. Yeah.
1: Totally. So you're like laying people's options. And that's what you're doing, right? As a lawyer, you're like, when they come to you with a case, you're evaluating the case. And then you're saying like, can we win this or not? Or like, what are your options at all? Mm -hmm. And then you take those and then you show them to your client. You say, these are the options. This is likely. This is unlikely. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we can hope for. And then you say, like, do you want to go forward or not?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: And then you play your cards as well as you can. and Yeah. Luckily, you're a pretty good poker player. <laughs> well, it depends on the night, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So is there an art to being a lawyer?
0: Yeah, I think there's probably an art, there can be an art to being, I wanna say anything, but that's probably too broad. But certain, but yeah, I mean, gosh, is there an art to being a lawyer? I was thinking about this because obviously, you know, the topic at hand, but like, here's an example like architecture right like engineering there there can be an art to engineering right like you're going to build a building you could just build a functional building we could build a beautiful functional building we also build one in a way that's not just functional well what is functional maybe it's also aesthetic um that's probably not the best example but like but certainly there is an art there are a lot of ways in which there's an art to being a lawyer, one is just in setting up the expectations, I think, in communication. Um, one is, you know, if you're actually doing the, the product of like, you know, work products, stuff, filings that you're going to get to a court or letters you can write to someone. If there's like persuasive writing involved, there's definitely art to writing in all forms, even like dry writing, um, even boring writing, like newspaper articles. I like hate the way they're written so much most of the time, but there's an art to it. There's a science and an art. There's a method in getting the information out up front, you know, cause you never know when they're going to stop reading. Right. And uh, you know, and if it's done well, it'll also be more pleasing to read. Um, but yeah, with getting people to, it's not, it's not just the, the writing itself but the ways the approach because there are different approaches you can have a more creative approach to getting somewhere and i've there's definitely an art to putting that all together
1: yeah and i've talked about it on this podcast um i feel like what you're saying what you're talking about is like uh the word elegant seems to be like when it applies to art or design or anything it seems to be like the quickest, the fastest point from A to B that also has like a style or mm. like a flow or a you hm. know, an aesthetic. Mm. Cause yeah, quickest point from A to B to building a building is a block, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you throw some elegant, you know, and so elegance is like the oh. thing that does the job with like this simplest approach, but also and I can imagine that some lawyers, maybe if they're not as good, quote unquote, then maybe they like try too many things like, you know, in the soccer field, you can have someone who's like really talented with footwork, but they might just be doing like, like spinning around in circles in the middle of nowhere when like really the goal is there, like and then like the most effective most elegant player will like go and score the goal but they'll do a little throw a little something in there yeah to get around a defender or two but like without wasting energy time space all the things yeah
0: i think that's great i love that The elegance that's a good word for it like i was thinking style but elegance is nice because it like it's a certain kind of style but like yeah if you even just in an interaction, say with opposing counsel or something like that, if you're like, go out a little bit out of your way to be like nice, you know, or to be like a pleasant human to interact with, that goes miles. And like maybe towards the result, or maybe just towards style points, you know, elegance, Um, you know, that'll certainly go far with, you know, in a court, but even just interacting with people, whether they're other lawyers or clients or whoever you know i think i think that makes a big difference
1: yeah you'll tell stories about that sometimes about like the opposing counsel
0: oh my god
1: like i mean it's funny because like they're you know and again it's kind of like in a in a sports game and like a soccer game or something like you're playing against the other team uh they're trying to win and they're trying to beat you and you're trying to beat them but still like there is like the
0: manner in which you interact with them oh man some people choose to be yeah
1: like
0: it's so i love that so much in playing soccer when you're playing at someone really hard going head to head you know as hard as you both can and like if they make a good tackle you know that's like respect yeah (laughs) you know like you don't get up and want to like start swinging at them you're just like oh (laughs) that was a good tackle right like you want to get them harder next time
1: yeah. And you can acknowledge that and be like, dude, nice tackle. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna get you next time. Or I'm like yeah. Coming at you just as hard.
0: You know, one interesting thing, though, one difference about being a lawyer is that even though part of it is that zero sum game, um, the part where you like a super advocate for your client, you know, there's another aspect, which is interesting, which is like, the lawyers are just kind of the brokers. Right. So like the clients, yeah, they want they think they want this, but there's another problem too, is that the more they fight, the more they spend on the lawyers. So actually the the clients will lose if they just throw it all out on the battlefield. Right. You know, cause you want them to actually accomplish their goals. And so as the lawyers, you're just kind of brokers. And so there's a lot of sort of posturing or bluffing. It's not really even bluffing. Cause it's like you lay out your case and like, here are the rules and the rights and the laws that my client could enforce, but they'd have to pay, you know, way more than it's worth to enforce it. And then their side does the same. And then where's the calculus and how do you broker that deal in the middle somewhere that's smarter for everyone, for everyone to win. Mm. Um, Sometimes you have to go to mediation and get a neutral third party to do it. But, um, but if they're good, if the lawyers are good at both, seeing the situation and representing their client's interest they can just do it the two of them right two sides yeah so you're kind of both lawyers are like putting out
1: on the table like these are the little weapons that i've got Mm -hmm. that i could use against you Mm -hmm. and this is what you know and then they they do the same
0: and you look you're like all right well yeah it's like you're you got your
1: that that yeah
0: it's like you show your eight you like show one of your cards you know and you're like i do have that ace and you show it you know and they're like yeah what are you gonna do now
1: (laughs) (laughs) cool yeah all right um well i think that we could jump into the questions at this point oh the questions yeah we got four questions okay these are the four questions that we ask everybody um for this season oh cool you've heard they'll probably be familiar i'll probably recognize them yeah yeah. Some, something like that. Some Maybe something similar. Um, okay. So question one is, um, okay, we're using the, the word creatives, creative, or capital C as like a person. Uh, our listeners are creatives. They're creatives mm. of all backgrounds and all styles. Maybe they're a lawyer, you know, that takes creativity to win a case, I'm sure. Right. Um, so what is your advice to aspiring creatives? um of any background
0: yeah well i think that my advice is to pay attention to two things aspiring creatives wait actually can you back that up for a sec what do you mean aspiring creatives do they have to be at a certain point in
1: life um no they can be kind of anywhere no they can be anywhere in life yeah. they can
0: be like
1: young and like looking to go into a creative field they could be old and trying to reinvent themselves in a creative way yeah yeah, yeah. somewhere in between yeah just like someone with creative aspirations
0: yeah i mean i think i probably heard this answer from your guests before like a million times because it's so true but i think you just have to listen to you have to listen to the call and like do what you enjoy what you're good at so if you're aspiring creative presuming that's because you enjoy it you know i mean i don't think anyone's out there trying to create just for the sake of creating there's something that's calling them yeah and i think you just have to listen to that and i think i think you just have to do what you're good at or like you don't even have to be good at it you just have to enjoy it and then you'll get good at it or figure out ways to get good at it and and you can build that you can engineer that so I'll give you dance as an example. Okay. There we go. So, like, uh, dance. We yeah. just started like eight years ago. Yeah, something like that. No, maybe longer, but yeah, maybe something like that. Yeah. But it's like, okay, everyone can like bop around and move, but sometimes feel awkward and stuff. But like, um, to be creative, like, say, salsa dancing. Okay. So, there's certain moves you're doing partner dancing and stuff. You have to learn some specific movements first. Like you have to go to class. You have to learn the basics. And some of that's just mechanical. Which we we're going to go do. We're going to do that? Yeah. Nice. Me and Haley are coming Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. Yeah. So you have to learn a little bit of that. Like. Fundamentals. So. Yeah. You have to build it in. And so that takes work. So it's not like someone, if they're an aspiring dancer. Maybe someone who's really good can just look at something and emulate it perfectly. Probably not. You know? So it's like if you're aspiring there probably are some tools that you have to go out and learn. So if it's like, I really want to express myself, say as a dancer, this way, go take a dance class, be awkward in class. So I guess that's my two-part answer is uh, follow what you want to do, listen to it, find it, see what calls you. And then, you know, if it's hard at first, just go out and do it. Just learn the basics and just start doing it just do it see where it goes yeah that's what i would say
1: yeah i like that and the fundamentals of anything like you can't really they're fundamentals for a reason you know they're like cornerstones of the craft Mm -hmm. and like you can't i mean you don't you know there's that idea that like in order to learn to break the rules you have to learn them first oh totally you know 100
0: percent. so
1: yeah and like like artists you know like no matter how quote-unquote good or talented or whatever you are at like being an artist or a dancer or anything like you still have to learn how to use the materials and the tools and if you you know and and, um those are the basic elements and if you get that then you can really
0: that's when you can like expand and get crazy with stuff yeah you gotta do scales you yeah. gotta learn your scales on the guitar or whatever piano before you can really jam before you can riff Yep. yeah because that's where you learn the like
1: the relationships between different things and yeah there's mm-hmm. so much to there's so much to a craft and that's why you can that's the beauty of it is that like any sort of a creative endeavor that you ever do it's a never-ending universe Cause the farther you go in, the more you're going to see, like there's, there's more spaces in between the things that you learn mm-hmm. and like more tools and tricks of the trade. And it's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> all right. Uh, great answer. Here we go now. Number two, what do you want life to be like in five years? You can take this on a personal level. You can take this on a worldly level. You can take this on uh, your neighborhood here. Whatever you want.
2: Well, you know,
0: I want, I want there to be earth. I don't want to have to be all on Mars, you know? I mean, hopefully Elon Musk can get that Mars stuff. Those shuttles going pretty quick just in case, but I would like there to be earth. Yeah. Uh, I think Earth is so beautiful and, like, you know, it's really hard to tell what direction it's going to go in because it could go in any direction, you know? But, like, you have... Okay, so now it's like... You'll see where I'm coming from because I'm a lawyer, but you have the Supreme Court striking down this, like, EPA's ability to regulate certain things and then they say something in it, like, this is for Congress to regulate and then, like, everyone's like rolls their eyes. Okay, well, they just put it, they put that to bed. That's the death knell. There's no more. But then all of a sudden Congress passes a fucking climate policy that has like, they actually define pollutant to include CO2 and stuff. And she's like, where the hell did that come from? And like now, so it's like this, we never know what's going to happen, obviously, you know? But like, when you're thinking about the issues, I'm thinking about like the environment, the glo- global, you know, situation on that level, setting aside nuclear weapons, It's like, anything could happen. We might solve it, we might not. We might get through, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. And if you're caught on a policy level following that, like anything could happen there too. Um, So now I'm rambling, but what I would love is if there's still a vital earth to be explored and lived in and, uh, you know, to be plentiful for people there's so many beautiful places out there and you know it's worth exploring them and it'd be great if those were there yeah yeah that's a good one <laughs> definitely <laughs> was that low was that kind of a low bar <laughs>
1: um no you know, it's funny I guess like it's just uh it's like a short turn like a short window of time to think
0: that but I think it's like very relevant in a lot of ways. I mean, like, put it this way, a lot of things in the next five years could happen that could go pretty badly right. for the earth. Right. And it'd be great if it didn't. Yeah. But meanwhile, shit. I just want to continue to be growing and going places, you know, and I think as I think everyone does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the earth is very important. For all of us to
1: be able to do the things that we do yeah it's really crazy that like we're at this point where there's like serious situations that like endanger that you know like yeah we've been talking about this whole thing about how like we we were basically we were born in the 80s in the united states of america lafayette colorado like probably one of the cushiest times in human history like that time period from like the 80s till like the mid-2000s was was like until 2008 yeah it was like everything like the golden time of like the history of the world totally nothing was ever wrong like you know but in that way we maybe like took every where like got to a point where we
0: took things for granted yeah maybe you know it's really interesting um as you know, I'm, I listen to a lot of Alan Watts. I have this great library from on the Sam Harris Waking Up app. Shout out to that for anyone wants to listen to. It. Great, Harris. yeah, great Alan Watts library, and um, it's so interesting to hear him talk about these existential questions because i've i don't even know what year that was but at the time you know when they had like cold war and stuff that was in there like was
1: the 50s and 60s right?
0: yeah and they were having like the cuban missile crisis and stuff which right. is way closer to the earth blowing up than any other time that i think we know of right. including right. now um and so like a lot of people in a prior generation already dealt with that before a little you know island golden age whatever that was um but it's so interesting to hear them talk about that and how relevant that stuff is to today as well yeah
1: yeah, unfortunately, those cycles cycle.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, agreed. Let's have Earth in five years, huh? Everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, question three. Uh, have you seen or experienced your work affect a person or the world on a deep level? Tell us about it. <clears throat> hmm. Can yes it again, sorry. Uh, have you seen or experienced your work affect a person or the world on a deep level? Tell us about it
2: well, um,
0: I've had a couple couple times where people just expressed a lot of heartfelt gratitude um that I don't know that might fit. those are things that come to mind when, yeah, totally, and people are like. You know, for example, what you brought up earlier, that dry cleaner situation, even though like a they, family. family, um, it was, you know, I don't think they're a family. It was the lady who owned it. It was like her lifelong kind of like business. And then the dude who was kind of running things was, I don't know if he was family or just a good friend. But when I gave them that little lifeline of, you know, I told him from the beginning, like, this probably won't work. It's a bad idea and you should probably just figure something else out. And they were like very uh, attached to it and to staying there and to pulling every lever to extend that lifeline a little bit. And, you know, I did that and I did that for them. And they said, uh, I mean, the guy was just like, you know, tells me I'm a great human being and that kind of stuff, which just kind of makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing my job, but also putting probably a little heart into it too, which probably is where that came from. But um, yeah, a couple other times I've just had clients express some good heartfelt gratitude. I don't know if there's anything too major that I can think of beyond that. Nice. No, that's
1: huge. The heartfelt gratitude is like, it's cool how uh it can be just so like powerful how the like a heartfelt authentic expression of some of whatever yeah can just like pierce through like this like armor that we all wear yeah. around you know like we're all kind of like in our own worlds doing our thing you know yeah we talk and interact we say hi ask people how they're doing how their day is but like um a lot of times interactions are kind of like surface level and and then like when something hits I'll notice it like when I'm talking to somebody and uh like I'll feel it like when they say something to me sometimes it's when I say something to them and it's like it comes out more authentically than I even meant to but it's like it's just like very like it's uh it's very real or very true mm-hmm. and then i'll like feel like the emotion of it all in mm. my eyes are like in me i'm like holy yeah. shit that's like that was like really real yeah that was a real human connection moment
0: totally and when those happen it's, yeah it's really cool it's so cool it opens you up a little bit
1: yeah yep Um, okay, cool. Well, final question here. Colin Moreno. What is your definition of art?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. And I've heard a number of your guests give fantastic answers to that question. Uh I don't think I have a definition, but I was thinking about it. I think a bit more, I think I think of it more as a Uh, like a quality than a noun okay so like what is art what is an artwork an artwork is something that exudes art or like you know along the lines of what you were saying before about the elegance right it's like you can do anything artistically you can do anything in a certain style Okay. So like, how do you carry yourself in life? How do you interact with someone? How do you put on clothes? You know, what do you wear? Where do you go? Um, How do you make breakfast? You know, how do you pour a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. You know, everything you can just do it. Yeah. But you can also do it in a certain way, in a certain style, maybe with elegance, maybe artistically. And so it's also creative. It's like, you're creating the moment. So it's like an intention. It's like putting something into the moment, which we're always creating. That is, I don't know. It's a quality to it that is artistic. But what does that mean? I don't know. Beautiful. It's not just beauty. I was thinking maybe it was just a something like a beautiful quality, but you can also have like not beautiful art you know um yeah i don't i don't have a definition of art but i think i mean i think you do
1: it's and it sounds uh would that make it like an adverb
0: uh what would that make it art because an adverb is like kind of like a like a verb like a twist to a verb yeah no yeah you could do anything artfully yeah that would be an adverb if you do it artfully but like artistically yeah um i just think it's like um okay i mean let's let's break it down a little bit more because okay math okay i don't think math is art right because it's just like pure analysis you know cutting stuff up but the way you do it and the way you apply it that can be artful Mm -hmm. you know you have elegant Engineering solutions, okay, and that's just using the tools of math. But the basic tools themselves aren't like art. It's the way you do it, I think. Yeah. Um. As far as art works, like high art, fine art, you know, I don't know, man. That's just like brilliance coming to life, or like and being recorded in some fashion. It doesn't have to be. It could be live music. Yeah. You know. Yeah. it Doesn't have to be recorded at all. all right. But I mean. Oh God. And that's why I love the participation element to it. When you have live music, it's the artist on stage and it's the audience and the audience participates. Sometimes they're dancing. Sometimes they're just listening, but it's a co-creation and it's live and it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like the, like the show we went to the other night,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we were sitting up in the balcony and I was just, we were looking down and the performer parangi from brazil lives in sedona he and his wife partner were on the stage and then the whole crowd was just like moving and flowing and like he was making the music they were making the music and then the crowd was like uh, you could almost like see the energy like ebb and flow back and forth between him and then the crowd and uh that was, that was cool yeah and he
0: started out saying he didn't know what he was going to do because he just would pick up one instrument yeah. you know play something loop it yeah see how that bounced around pick something else up layer that in so it's just this cool like live creation he was putting together yeah it's really cool yeah
1: and then i mean talk about like the artful way of doing that like he was so he had such a cool style and flavor and like yeah like expression to it and i was just thinking about like when you know when you're talking about the mathematician um you know there can be there's like you know the the sort of stereotypical like very tight like mathematician uh who's i don't know i guess sort of dorky sort of like you know very technical and then Mm -hmm. there's like the expressive I don't know, like, you could be, like, real expressive with math and get, like, real abstract with, like, I don't know, string theory and crazy (laughs) shit like that, chaos theory. and Like, you know, Dr.
0: Malcolm in uh, (laughs) Jurassic Park. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, physics and stuff like that, which is pretty interesting, it's like math is so profound in in how you can find, you know, math you can use it to find these predictions in the universe that we can observe, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you can like talk about it in terms of math, but it takes some really creative thinkers to like look in the right kinds of ways or to see patterns emerge, you know? Right. Like uh, that's takes geniuses and they have to be creative and there's gotta be art in there somewhere. I would think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think like creativity a lot of times is based on the concept of like asking what if, or like thinking what if in any situation. Like when I'm making a live painting, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I'm not like consciously thinking this, but I think what I'm like subcon what's subconsciously going on there is I'm like, well, what if I just like use this color and then like intuitively question like, all right, no what if I go across the color wheel and then try something over here? Um, You know, like, and so then I would imagine, you know, that same what if is the same line of thinking as the mathematician who's like trying to figure out calculations for how to
0: plot a black hole and that's sky or
1: something like, well, what if it was
0: like this? I like that. And the what if also like takes you out of preconceived notions on what is. So for the mathematician, right. for example, they have to be thinking or for the physicist or whoever, the what if is like, well, what if it wasn't like this? Or what if there was something yeah. there that we have no idea what it is? Or what if, you know, just asking these broad, open-ended questions and you ask the same question to your paintbrush or the palette, you know, like, well, what if, what would this color do here? Yeah. You know, or like, well, what would, and you don't know, until it comes through right right and you know along the lines
1: of physics and whatnot astrophysics uh like i think einstein said something like uh you know a problem cannot be solved at the level of consciousness that it was created Uh so like to find solutions you have to expand larger with your consciousness with your like Mm. ideas of what a solution can be mm. than cool. like the thing you know because like at this smaller consciousness level you're running into roadblocks yeah. you're running into walls so like you have to expand bigger rise above it mm-hmm. you know float above it mm-hmm. to find the way around it or out mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because i'm reading this book called long view and it's um this guy talking about like solutions to planetary problems like what you're talking about like you know the five years from now like we want to have a a planet and he's talking like he's saying like the solution is thinking longer and like instead of he says the problem with a lot of humanity is that our like we are the problem with a lot of these philosophers from the past who we rely on for our like ways of thinking and figuring out what's right and wrong they were only thinking in one lifetime terms and so then like what's appropriate and what the right answers are are like catered to a one lifetime viewpoint yeah whereas like if we zoom out and look at our life in terms of not just ours but our life and our decisions Mm -hmm. in terms of not just ours but like multiple generations down the line then we can we think about things a lot differently and then we can come up with solutions like and that's the problem with the world in a lot of ways with you know the with corporations and governments and all these like high level situations is it they're only like thinking in terms of like this quarter or this year or this term oh, yeah for sure and like figuring out what's going to like get votes and like you know rather than thinking like what's going to actually solve these problems Mm -hmm. expand our consciousness yeah and that's what i was saying is like so in order to solve these problems we're going to have to expand our consciousness as like humanity which is really exciting like if we can pull that off yeah then maybe we can transcend all this bullshit like wars the problem with like nuclear arsenals aimed at each other climate change all this shit thanks for letting me talk on that one yeah no (laughs) that's good i'm with you on that for Uh, sure yeah nice all right well um this is the part of the podcast where I acknowledge my guest, mm-hmm. Colin Barreno. Mm-hmm. Cheers, buddy. Oh, cheers, man. We've been through many adventures together. And uh here's to many more. Wow. Oh. You're an epic human being. You're very conscious. You're very aware of everybody in the world and all and your effect on it. And um yeah, it's really cool. If everybody was more like you, see a better world.
0: <laughs> Taylor, you're such a great villain yeah thanks for having me this is fun and uh you know you're just doing so great i love watching what you're doing i love that you're like playing with all this stuff including podcasts you know it's just like this is art you know this is like creation you're just like i mean this is like yeah it's like it's like me when i was in high school like i want to be in a punk band so get a guitar and play with this like you're just putting this i'm gonna do art here i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this podcast and you just go make it happen it's it's pretty awesome to see
1: nice oh
0: yeah oh yeah just asking what if <laughs> just asking what if, what if i put this microphone on the table right here and press report
1: yeah
2: <laughs> what,
1: what's gonna happen
0: what if you move up to san francisco oh what if we move up to san francisco
1: that's that's an exciting what if. Oh. um yeah hell yeah okay so normally we'd say you know where can people follow you you're a lawyer doing your thing in san francisco you're not really like a follow they can find
0: me in san francisco they can come
1: up here tell them it's a good time come on up check out san francisco colin's here he'll show you around he'll like do some lawyer shit for you if you need (laughs) (laughs) and we'll have a party yeah party on the balcony um all right cool well then we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna come back with some whiskeys i think Mm. that's the plan and then um And, uh, yeah, we'll do part two. So ending, ending part one, can you just give us one more bit of wisdom for the people? And this can be about anything, Mm. anything under the sun.
0: Uh, yeah, I can. It's, um, all those cliches that you hear and are sometimes tired, you know, I would, I would just, every time I hear one, I'd pay attention again, a little closer and listen to what's there. Cause they're there for a reason, you know? Um, I could repeat one here, which is like, you know, everyone that you meet is going to some struggle, you know, that you know nothing about, so be kind. You know, it's kind of a cliche kind of thing, but it's so true. And like people everywhere you look, it's so interesting because people seem like they're doing fine because that's the way they present, because that's the way that it's acceptable to present. But most people aren't 100%. Hopefully they are. And most people are some of the time, but most people aren't all of the time. Yeah. So I think, you know, be nice to each other, be kind to each other, love each other, and uh, listen to those cliches. Yes. That's a good Good
2: one. I like that. Cool.
1: All right. We'll be right back. Part two is brought to you by Steady State Roasting in Carlsbad, California. This place is my favorite coffee shop on the West Coast, and the coffee is the best. They roast all their own coffees from around the world and have a roasting collective for the local coffee making community. Check them out in the village of Carlsbad or order their beans online at SteadyStateRoasting.com. And we're back. Okay. Colin, welcome Taylor. back. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've moved out onto your balcony, which overlooks the beautiful city of San Francisco.
0: Got some nice mist over here on the bay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you have a really cool viewpoint. You're on the south side of the city, up on the hill. So you can see, like, to the east. You can see Oakland when it's not misty like this. Mm. You got the Bay Bridge. You got downtown. Mm. You can even see the Golden Gate Bridge over there to the west. Little peak. And you got this, like, cool. It's so nice because, like, the mist is and the, the clouds and everything is always kind of, like, coming from the west. Yeah. Going east. Rolling through. Rolling in. And then we poured ourselves some whiskey here.
0: Yeah, this is some Japanese whiskey. And this was a gift to you. Yeah, single grain. I think it was from BC, but it says the gift from Mount Fuji. So, I guess it was from Mount Fuji.
1: Thanks, Fuji. Yeah, we appreciate Thanks, you. Fuji. Great mountain. Nice. And it's really good. We just cheers and uh, had a sip. Damn. Mm-hmm. Kind of
2: sweet. Cheers.
1: Cheers again. And cheers to the listener. Mm. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, this podcast is for you to inspire you to do great things in your life. Mm. Um, So thanks for listening. Um, Okay, so then part two, the way that we do this is I give you two options. And then we, we use that as a jump off point, and you can choose one of them, or you can choose. You can say neither of them. Like oh. we just talk about this. You got backup cards. This um, is just
0: like a wild card.
1: No, I have two options, and if you cancel those, you have to come up with. Oh backup. okay. Um. So these are your options. Okay. okay. Um. Option one is the frequency of quality, and then number two is. Space time bubbles.
0: Oh, <laughs> dude. Okay, hang on. I need to understand these options a little better. The frequency of quality is that the frequency, like the wavelength kind of thing? Is that what you're doing?
1: Maybe. I mean, these are, <laughs> I can't really even give you answers you at first. Where do like, you just be? sort of have to take them?
0: Frequency of quality. Okay, but, and then the, what was the space time bubble one?
1: Um, that's just all I said was space-time bubbles. Oh, man, that will bring us and back. So, and so then you, you take it whichever direction, and then I'll give you my opinion. and we'll, It'll be a conversation.
0: Cool. Uh, I think we're going to go with the frequency of quality, but that may take us around to a space bubble because space bubbles, as I understand them, can collide and join other space bubbles anytime. So our frequency of quality space bubble might bring us around to space bubbles
1: yeah cool okay cool all right what are your thoughts on this
0: this concept well i think it's interesting i don't know exactly i can i can imagine what you're asking which is i mean frequency i think of as the wavelength or aligning vibrational energy and so a lot of time quality Which again, you know, you can use that word a number of ways. Like, what is the quality of something or something is quality is high quality. You know, you're like, ah, that's this, this is some quality whiskey. You know, well, what is the quality of this whiskey? It's a little sweet. It's a little like, you know, tastes a little corn perhaps. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, but I think the frequency, what is the frequency of quality is more like it implies to me that. The quality of something, and this actually goes both ways high quality and qualities. Um, the way they come through are through vibrational wavelengths. And so, if it aligns with the receiver, let's say that's us as humans. Yeah. Let's say we're humans and let's say we're appreciating anything, whether it's the taste in this whiskey or whether it's the light bouncing off of the mist. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's um the way they designed architecturally some of those buildings, you know uh, the some in some way, there's some I mean this all comes through vibrations, right or wave waves, lights, waves, sounds, waves. I don't know what tastes are, but you I guess you think if it's on your taste buds, there's got to be neurons firing at certain like frequencies or something. I don't know how taste works, right, but
1: because taste I, is connected with smell. Totally. And that's probably... Yeah. You know. Well,
0: it's not as simple as just... I don't think it's as simple as ones and zeros, but who knows? Right. Um. Maybe you could break everything down to ones and zeros. That's a great question, which is probably implicated. But maybe getting a little bit out of the weeds, I, I think that. I think that vibrational energy is so important. I think like when you say it's all in our vocabulary and maybe it's overuse, but when you say like, I resonate with that, it's because it strikes a chord with you, which is the same, <laughs> you know, same fucking analogy, yeah. <laughs> but it's also true, right? you know, and when you play a violin string at a certain frequency, the glass emits the same sound or even shatters maybe in some extreme cases, right? you know? Um yeah. Okay, and music. Yeah. Okay. So music is all obviously different tonations have different frequencies. And if it's out of tune, it sounds terrible. Yeah. If it's in tune, I mean that's like the clearest example. The quality, frequency, the frequency of qualities, some sort of alignment. Right. And then the layering of music. You have different layers of different wavelengths different beats different instrumentalities different textures because there's texture and sound too of course yeah and that's all based on the frequencies and so when you align these different textures and get them interacting with each other and somehow that emulates feelings within us and different feelings and that's all different qualities and a lot of good music is quality right and the feeling of- the feeling of that
1: layering when it's done well when it's done to like a masterful level or you know i guess i'm talking about like intentional music or sometimes things just layer over things over themselves beautifully mm-hmm. The like when that violin string is played perfectly it's like the sound waves double up on themselves and then it does something resonance. like that resonance it's like does this like crazy reverb thing or yeah, like when someone's vacation yeah when someone's singing along with a song or like when people are singing together and they hit the like the perfect pitch and tone and all the mm, everything yeah. it's like everything doubles and then like hits, yeah it's like does this crazy effect yeah and you know like that level of quality you know it's kind of like like this whiskey has this like really beautiful quality to it. And you know, the light coming now, all of a sudden the fog has like moved out. Oh, it's totally good. The sky is totally clear. Except
0: for that strip.
1: Yeah. There's a strip of clouds over there, but like the light coming from everything looks really clear. Like the quality of light is like super clear and sharp, almost like, you
0: know, like, like crystal clear. Yeah. uh, Okay. Yeah. Totally. And uh, here's what I think about that. I think that that relates to what we're talking about before in a lot of ways, because for creative or anyone, if you're like interested in like quality, I think you just have to listen. I think you just follow the tune, you know? You follow the pathway of, I mean, you gravitate towards what's resonant.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, in like in, in my paintings, in my murals and whatever, like there's uh there's this, this like layering process that I like to do. And there's certain times where it um like, it just hits, you know, and, like I can feel it. And I know that it, if I'm feeling that other people are going to also. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I can make it like, you know, sing, to me by doing these like certain things and like making it super sharp like i just did this project uh where it was like these like real clean lines clean edges and i had this idea that if i like overlaid these these colors and these tones got the contrast right then it was gonna hit hard Mm -hmm. And, and by the end you know the thing starts to really fall into place feels like doing a big puzzle And with all the puzzle pieces in place and the composition works right. And it's like, you know, it's like a piece of music, I'm sure. Like, like, you know, a complex piece of music where there's lots of different things happening. And if they all hit right and they play off each other and they bounce, then the sum, let's see, the effect of the overall is like more worth more than like the sum total of their parts. The sum
0: is greater than the part, Some whatever that cliche
1: is. yes. That cliche. Listen to that cliche.
0: (laughs) But yeah, it's like,
1: yeah, and that's the effect. That's like, that's the cliche that that we're talking about here with quality is like, if if it's done right, then like the overall effect is way more powerful than like any one of those effects individually. And even if you add them all up, they still don't do the thing. Yeah. There's this like other level of like hard hitting. Yeah. Yourself, uh, yeah the frequency the waves add up
0: Yep.
2: multiply wow all right thanks again for getting me talking <laughs> i love this stuff man and then space time bubbles
1: so <laughs> me and colin moreno here <laughs> we used to go End of, you know, like into college and in, into high school, we'd go and like, we'd go and smoke joints and then go sit on rooftops. And we would, <laughs> should we edit this out?
0: <laughs> you say whatever you want, man. It's a good time.
1: But We'd sit on the rooftop at the coffee shop down the way in Lafayette. And we would just like talk philosophy. And that was like where, I mean, that like is sort of the essence of this podcast. Like that's where like Philosophy, like we started doing that when we were real, like, you know, when we were like 16, 17, yeah. 18. Yeah. And, and that was like, yeah, where like, I learned to think deeper and think bigger. And like, we'd like look at the stars and be like, what do you think? Are there aliens out there? Ask the you what know? if questions. We'd ask the what if questions. Totally. And it's funny because we both of us remember this concept t- space time bubbles. But neither of us remembers that, like, exactly what we said about it.
0: No, but it was so profound and it was 100% correct at the time.
1: Yes. We have
0: we'd only figured out the universe. Yeah. But I think, um, I wish we were recording that. I wish we were. Why didn't we have podcasts back
1: then? We should have, we should have mm-hmm. had a, a microphone and then this computer.
0: I think, uh, well, because string theory has something about like, so we might not have figured out the universe because there might be multiverses. Right. You know, and I think in string theory, there's something about I sent you this video of um Mikhail, how do you say his name? Mike uh, He Kekow, read his book, Cuckoo. Kek- yeah. 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 Um, there's this video where he's explaining some string theory. And there can be universes or multiverses rather that are like bubbles. And then when they connect, like imagine two soap bubbles floating in the air and then they happen to connect in a way where they preserve the bubble structure, but the air joins. So now there's just one big bubble right? or a bubble that breaks off into two others, you know? Yeah. Um. So you can think of a universe like that where one universe joins with another and then it shares.
1: But would that be like, I mean, this universe is fucking huge. It's like all of expansion it's like 14 billion years exploded and expanded in every other in all directions is that a universe or because like good good
0: question but but i think you're thinking sorry
1: cut you off but i'm i guess i'm talking more like a spatial universe yes but i feel like we're you know maybe you're talking about more of like uh like multiverse like a reality yes. universe yes yeah because
0: space time we're thinking in just three or four dimensions or whatever this is right so when you go out and, and when you say it's so huge that's true yeah. you know as far as we can tell and as far as we understand it right but like you know in string theory i guess there's 10 or 11 dimensions right <laughs> <What the fuck? laughs> which have to all exist to make it work right and um to make the math work to make the math work and it does and it predicts this crazy stuff so there are all these other dimensions and then like the um the the cool sort of one one cool way of thinking about that two cool things is like uh you know how when you look up at the skylight and it's raining it's just like these circles just appear yeah You have no idea it's raining, like streaming down, because you're only seeing rain in two dimensions, rain hitting the surface in two dimensions. And it looks so cool. There's just all these circular, yeah, little waves, yeah, shockwaves. Yeah, just random stuff. Yeah, apparently, same in 3D. They're just random, but it's just a totally different quality, right? So it's like there could be things in our three dimensional universe that are equally weird and random to us, but they make like a mathematical or architectural sense in a higher dimension. Right. You know? Right. Um, And that could be
1: stuff like black holes or dark matter or things like that?
0: It could be, probably, yeah. Probably it could be that. I mean, dark matter is so weird, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, math, math is really cool like that in the way it can explain things, but we can't imagine it because we just... Thing can operate in three or four dimensions or whatever
2: right
0: but this uh the other thing that's cool about sp- like uh sp- like spaces we envision it we can get as small we can look as small as we want you know down to like subnuclear particles try to blow shit up and see what they look like when they explode right you know yeah. in particle accelerators mm-hmm. um, and that's really cool but as far down as we look it keeps getting smaller and is more and more mysterious right similarly we can look out as far as we want and it keeps getting you know send the web telescope up there. amazing you can keep seeing more and more infinite stuff out there yeah you know one little fingernails worth of sky has those incredible pictures that they're you know and um but what if, if you zoom out all the way, you just come out from the inside, or you zoom in all the <laughs> way, you just come out from the outside? You like loop you know? around? Yeah, exactly. It's a loop. Like, what if it's just a loop of sides? Totally. And like, it doesn't make sense to us because we don't think like that, but it could work. Right.
1: You know. It could all just be a big loop. Yeah. But we think linearly. We so, think linearly. Like, that concept seems like totally impossible to be like you know it's like it, it's like no either you go small ways or you go large yeah. ways but it doesn't there's no yeah. way that it would like connect around because yeah. large is so big it couldn't fit inside the small yeah. there's no way yeah
0: but it could just go on forever and when we blow stuff up <laughs> <laughs> right it could just go forever it would it's like uh yeah like indra's net right you know, like the that Alex Gray painting where like every person is a point that sees every other person in the infinite as a jewel of infinite reflections. Wow. Yeah. Well, um oh yes. Yeah, those particle accelerators, every one of those is explosion. Yeah. Maybe every one of those is a big bang. Who knows? Probably not. Wow. But yeah. Who knows what's happening in those tiny universes. Those
1: tiny fucking universes. And the interesting thing is there are all these similarities between the tiny and the huge. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, with the, the farther down they go, like in a cell or a nucleus or an atom or whatever, it's like, they're all like 99% empty. Like the mass is only like a, a tiny percentage. And then the same thing with like space. Yeah. Like there's all this mass, but it's only like very spread out. So the makeup of, I guess it would be like an atom and the makeup of space is like very similar. Yeah. And it's in, a, in a, and it's neat because like we on this planet are similar. Like the planet's 70% water, so like 72 or whatever it is, and so are we. Oh yeah. Like we're made like we have the same equilibrium of like water mass to us.
0: Do you think, yeah, do you think there was water on Mars before? Hmm.
1: Um. I mean, it sounds like they're, like, finding evidence of it. And, I mean, I could believe it, for sure. It could be... It looks
2: kind
0: of like a dusty old Earth, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) That that just got baked over, like, lots and lots of years. Yeah, and it seems like... I mean, why wouldn't there be, like, water underneath? I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, yeah, who knows, the chemical makeup. There was a really cool Instagram post about, from one of the astronomy handles I follow, and they, like, showed all the, like, the weirdest planets that <laughs> they've found. Mm-hmm. And there's, you like... mean out there, like, as far as they can see? Yeah, out everywhere. Yeah. Like, now with the new web telescope, yeah. they're able to, like, find planets in a way that they've never been able to before. And so there was, like one of them was like all black it was like ma- basically made of charcoal like it absorbed 99.9% of all light well so it's just like a like perfectly dark planet <laughs> and then there's like another one that's made up of like liquid diamond like the whole thing is like an ocean of of diamond what? yeah that's so, crazy so if you were able to go up and like scoop some out <laughs> like you just bring it back and it would like all be done di- like liquid diamond it's probably everywhere. pretty hot right yeah it's super hot yeah yeah and it's like awesome yeah there's a crazy <laughs> fucking environment <laughs> out in space Damn. all the more reason why we should love and appreciate what we've got absolutely because we can't survive on any fucking 100%. you know
0: I mean, I say I hope Earth is around for us, you know, for other Earthlings. Uh, You know, but like it won't always be around. That's for sure. No. At some point, everything like fades or like, you know, whether it goes out with a bang or a whimper is a different question. Our star is going to supernova at some point. Yeah. Well, just on one of these cycles, we're on one of these ups or downs in the vibrational frequency You know, it's like the quality of the solar system or of the universe or whatever.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the ebbs and the flows.
0: Ebbs and flows.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, the sky is totally cleared out. Damn. We can see Oakland now pretty, pretty clearly.
2: Oh, yeah. Clouds are still really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah fun to think about while we're recording this like what um, people are doing while they're listening
0: to this mm. like I like to do that sometimes yeah I like to wash dish- dishes and make breakfast when I listen to podcasts yeah I've definitely listened to none of your podcasts doing that so if there's anyone out there like me yeah they could be doing that dude just doing things around the house what do you do paint I
1: like to paint um i like to yep do murals i'll I drive a lot so i listen to a lot of audio content while driving mm. it's the best way to drive oh yeah it completely yeah, 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 transforms you're... traffic Game changer dude i almost want more traffic
0: so that i can like <laughs> i got 10 minutes more on this podcast exactly can this can't, light i can't get home
1: yet because i like i still got this going
0: fucking i'm going on a loop <laughs> yeah
1: Exactly, I'm just driving slow in my neighborhood, no big deal. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about?
0: No, I'm good. Um, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun, Taylor. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Definitely. You have a great show. Thanks. You have a lot. You have a lot of quality guests. I haven't even listened to half your episodes. Yeah. But like, I've listened to a lot. Yeah. You have a quality guests, man. Yeah, I'm honored to be part of them. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that! Cheers.
1: Yeah, yeah, such quality people, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I really like where the format is now. You know, I feel like it sets up everybody and everything for success pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's like got enough of a structure, but it also has
0: room for f- free flow. Yeah, I mean whatever kind of structure we try to impose we're always going to wander off path and you know hopefully not lose too many people but right right <laughs> don't lose yourself yeah
1: I mean but you know it's all good they'll come back or not hmm. but that's how I like the art to be that's how I like my like that's one way that this podcast is uh is another art form of mine is you know my paintings and drawings, I like to have an idea, but then just like, you know, you have an idea of where you're going, but then it also free flows. Totally. And I feel like that's a good way to approach things because then you like, you don't have to be so like tight gripped on the wheel because that sort of like a stress is never like, oh yeah, you kind of can like fuck things up rather than like build in a
0: positive way. Well, um, I have two things to say on that. And like, I'm sure we'll wrap this up soon, but one, my cousin posted this thing, maybe saw on her Facebook, probably a meme. And I now forget exactly what it said, but it was something like an artist that was like, what comes on the other side is never what I intended to go in. It was something along those lines. Or just like, if I ever went in with something or like whenever there's actual art, it was never something that like, I went in with that vision. Yeah. You know, like it always surprises you in some way or it's always something fresh. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was cool and that was interesting. And then it also made me wonder when you're just talking now, is that stressful if you have to paint a certain mural?
1: Like it's got to be perfect. It's got to be a certain image or something. Yeah.
0: I mean, maybe you build in enough leeway in your like approach. Maybe that's how you do it. But I would think, for example, oh, we want a picture of this. Any of your clients, you know. Maybe they are trying to be a little too micromanagey or something. or They're just like, you know, is that ever a stressor to try to stay between the lines of the project?
1: Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, It's just a, yeah, it's a different challenge. It is more stressful. Yeah, being totally honest, it's more stressful because it's got to be perfect. And then like, there's no blurring of, like okay so this project i just did it was like super tight sharp lined all the things and with that to make a sharp line you have like the way i do it is like i create like one color on one side of the line and then one color on the other side of the line and then i go and then every on a mural you need two coats of everything Mm -hmm. every color so I go back to the first color and I sharpen the line in and I go come back to the second color and I sharpen the line in again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that needs to happen to every single edge between two colors anywhere on that mural. Whereas if I'm doing like a landscape like where I'm like recreating an image or I'm doing something more like abstract or more like cartoon like or whatever, there's lots of different ways that a painting can be made. Then it doesn't need to have that like formalized, like two paint coats of this color and that color doubled up on it. You know, edge lines. Perfect. So um, it can be more fluid and more free flow. And sometimes yeah. people just say like, do whatever you want.
0: Yeah. That's the best.
1: That's the best. And, and it's not that I don't, and I definitely, I do like the, the sharp, you know, edged ones because like I said, like you can reach that quality level with those. Just with the right vibrational frequencies. With the right vibrational frequencies. Either way, you know, with the sharp edged ones or with the loose flowy abstract, whatever. Um, it's just like with the, when there is a desired outcome, then like there's a destination on your roadmap and you have to make it there. Whereas yeah. the other projects, they can be sort of like destination-less. The, like sands destination,
0: free of destination. Yeah, hit a like, couple stops on your way, but yeah, you can just... end
1: up in like Kentucky or you can end up in Montana, and either way is good. You know,
0: it's fine, and like yeah. the adventure is what matters, yeah. the, the the journey. And those are probably both less stressful and more artistic in the end. Yeah, yeah, I think as I go through my career, my
1: process and the next like I, I want to just be more on the journey side of paintings. Yeah. Rather and that's and like with my work I'm like pushing into that more with every project. Yeah. With lots of projects.
2: Yeah hey, man.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for the question there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
0: right, next let's see I have a card here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, you're on the Unlife podcast. You listen to us. <laughs> what other questions you got? It's great.
0: <laughs> oh, man. My only other question is, would you like some, some more Mount Fiji, gift from Mount Fiji, single grain Japanese whiskey? Yeah, I'll take some more of that All Japanese right. whiskey. This is really tasty. All right.
1: All right, well, listener, uh, you're awesome. Thanks for following along thus far. And uh, Colin, you got anything more to say to the people?
0: Oh, no, just um awesome. Keep creating. We got aspiring creatives here. Yeah, we create. Do. Just create, live, love, be nice, have fun.
2: Beautiful.
1: All right. Well, hey. Cheers, Colin.
0: Cheers, Taylor.
1: So that, my friends, was Mister Colin Barreno. What a champion, huh? That guy's uh. He's a good one. He's, a, he's one of the, the solid humans in my life that have, have been here since the beginning. Um, we've had a lot of fun together through the years, talked a lot of philosophy. We came up some, with some really good stuff. I mean, the time bubble, space-time bubbles theory, we don't remember exactly what it was or how it worked, but we remember that it was basically like a unified theory of everything. And I wish that we could get that. Uh, I wish we could have recorded what we were talking about on those rooftops so long ago. Um, Because I think we might have figured it all out, you know, but then we forgot it. Such is life. Such is the human condition. Um, But yeah, Colin is an awesome human being. And one reason we didn't even get to it in the podcast, we kind of touched on it and then we, we kept moving. But a big reason why I wanted to have him on was because the move that he made... Uh, a couple of years back was a very powerful one. When he took a big look at his life, he had kind of a jarring experience. The divorce was a a tough one. You know, that's how it is for everybody. It's like an uprooting of your entire life. But then from there, he did something really awesome, really positive, and he took a look at his whole life and was like, what do I want here and what don't I want? And his job as a lawyer at Paul Hastings while well, he loved it, he appreciated it, it was good work, the, the company was good, or the, the law firm was good, it wasn't exactly what he wanted to do. So he backed away from that, left it, and then what happened next was the real key part um, because he he dove inward, and he did a lot of like questioning of himself and his life and everything, and he did a 10-day Vipassana retreat, which is a meditation retreat, a silent meditation retreat. And at that point, he really dove into meditation and uh, that daily practice, which he still continues like every single day. Colin meditates probably from between like 20 minutes to an hour. Uh, he also got into yoga, and he's already been a veg. He was he's been a vegetarian for a long time, so he's got like a a lot. Health and wellness is a big part of his life, and um, you know Haley and I just got to stay with him for like three weeks, and we got to witness firsthand. He's he's like he's got a really cool balance now that he's got this new gig where he's helping people as a lawyer from a smaller perspective. He's got a cool flow, a daily practice, yoga meditation, um, some like activity, workout. Uh, He also balances it a good amount of time with his friends on the weekends. So he works hard, he plays hard, meditates a lot into it. He's, uh, you know, it's all, it's all there, like sort of part of his flow. And I think that that is sort of a model that we can all kind of go off of for ourselves. Is like ask ourselves, what do we want with our lives? You know, what is important? What is not? What's in alignment? What's not? How do we want to do our thing? How do we want to set everything up? Um, Yeah, and it's cool with with a nice flow to your life. Then that creates the space to, to really focus on what you want and. You can maximize on the yeses and then minimize on the noes. But it's cool. It all starts with the questioning of like, what is a yes for me? And what is a no? And where do I want to put my energy? And uh, where do I not want to put my energy? So cool stuff to model off of. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and all the uh, fun, creative you know philosophical funky talk that we got into uh we love that shit it's the best um so (laughs) yeah i hope that you're being creative and that this is inspiring to you in one way or the other uh i fully support you on your creative path whatever it is that you're doing just know that even if you don't know what you're doing the fact that you're doing it, or that you're thinking about doing it, those are all steps in the right direction, and, you know, you just got to try things, you just got to go for stuff, see where it leads, some things will be quote-unquote failures, but really, there's kind of no such thing, because either way you go, you're going to learn, and, um, you know, lessons are expensive in time, energy, or money, as my stepdad Chris always says, but we're always learning. And if you're, if you're leaning into that learning, then uh, you're going to get somewhere good eventually. So I think that's all I got. Thanks for listening in. Cheers.